Welcome to Socially Powered Digital Marketing Show, the digital marketer's guide to emerging technology, covering blockchain, cryptocurrency, and social media disruption. Hey there, I'm Aaron Sell, your host of the show. This week, we'll be discussing the power of influencer marketing with Neil Schaefer. Neil is an authority on helping innovative businesses digitally transform their sales and marketing. He's the founder of the digital marketing consultancy, PDCA Social. He also teaches executives digital marketing at Rutgers Business School and the Irish Management Institute. He is the author of four sales and marketing books, including Maximize Your Social and the recently published The Age of Influence, a groundbreaking book redefining digital influence. Check out Neil's Maximize Your Social Influence podcast for a weekly marketing inspiration. I'm super excited to have Neil here to discuss with us his new book, The Age of the Influence. So let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome, Neil, to Socially Powered Digital Marketing Show. I'm super excited to have you here today to talk about all things influence on social media. Well, thank you, Erin. I'm honored to be here. Thanks for being a, a reader of my book and reaching out to me. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm happy to share with any, any information that's going to help your community. Perfect. So I, I have been reading your book and I want to go through the the main points that I'm that I'm taking from it, um, I found it very interesting. The start of the book where you were going through the history of influencer marketing, and I, it never really dawned on me how far back influencer marketing actually started happening. So can you can you walk everybody through really the beginning of influencer marketing? Well, yeah, I mean, we can go way back. There's, you know, been stories about uh, cave art and what have you. One of the, you know, oldest examples is really Wedgwood and uh, Wedgwood, you know, plates. And I mean, we have Wedgwood in our house and that really, they really started when the royal family uh, enjoyed the product so much that they started sharing about it. And that was sort of the, one of the first early examples of viral a word of mouth from an influencer being the uh, royal family that really led to the explosive growth of Wedgwood. And, you know, the royal family actually, you know, sharing the fact that they're using Wedgwood and, and uh, you know, word of mouth from the biggest influencer of the day being the royal family. Obviously, before, you know, the modern printing press and before radio and television, you do have these instances, but it's really the emergence of radio, of silent movie, of TV, where you have you know, Charlie Chaplin pushing stuff, Babe Ruth pushing cigarettes and, and really, you know, with, with communication channels, businesses have always tried to tap into celebrities, right? Um, if so-and-so will push our product, we'll sell millions. And until now, that's only been a game that big brands could play because the people that they had to work with were primarily on TV. Maybe they're movie star celebrities and they're very expensive. So, you think of, for those that remember the 1980s, you had Michael Jackson pushing Pepsi. Um, you had Michael Jordan and, and Nike, and that was the beginning. Now it's sort of commonplace that athletes sort of work with, uh, with those brands. And I, I think, you know, what, we, what people forget when we think about influencer marketing is, is we're, what we're seeing is a modern day version of that. So, you know, the, the analogy I like to give and it's now been like six or seven months since my book was published. So I've already sort of, you know, updated it in my mind. Um, so going off the book now, 
you know, the analogy I like to give is when I was growing up and I'm going to age myself again, but I'll never forget when Top Gun came out and I was in high school, a week later, one of my good friends showed up riding a motorcycle, you know, in a black leather jacket and a Tom Cruise haircut. Those were the people that influenced my generation. They were Hollywood stars, you know, uh, TV. Yes, we still watched TV back then uh, or, you know, athletes, what have you, but they were true celebrities. Today, if I was to ask high, high school students, and my daughter's a sophomore in high school, who influenced them, um, it's going to be TikTokers, Instagrammers, and YouTubers. And right. I think that's, that's pretty general. And they're people we've never heard of because they've never been on TV. They have, start, they have grown their influence purely from creating content on social media. And so it's we can It's funny you say that because as I was reading the book and some of the names that you had in there, I was like, I have no idea who that is. Because <laughs> I don't pay, I don't personally pay attention to... A, much on TikTok or even really YouTube. I mean, I go to YouTube for, you know, to look up something if I need to figure out how to- How-to videos, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Mm -hmm. so, so yeah, and I think that, you know, for me, and I'm not from the influencer marketing industry, I'm, I'm a, a general, you know, digital and social media marketing consultant. Sure, you can reach out to like Charlie D'Amalio and I mean, if you're a big brand, but if you're a small business, you're a solopreneur, you're not going to, you know, you're going to go bankrupt just trying to work with someone like that. And you don't even know if it's going to be effective. Right. So what I talk about in my book, and I, I probably should have talked about it more forcefully, is, okay, we know that more and more people yield more and more influence. And even the influencer marketing industry says, you know, a celebrity today could be someone with as, as few as a thousand followers. The reasoning being that, um, you know, they still have influence and if they can influence, you know, 3% of their audience to engage with content uh, or, you know, 10%, then at say 3000 followers, you know, maybe get 50 to hundred engagements on something. And maybe those engagements lead to clicks. And right. for a lot of brands, they struggle to get a hundred likes on a Facebook post, right? For instance. Well, and, and that's just it. You can have somebody who's quote unquote an influencer, yet they're not actually influencing anybody to actually do anything, right? Well, yeah. So, you know, it, it, so it falls under, you know, once you start to unpeel the onion, there's layers and layers of the stuff, right? So I think the key takeaway here is that digital influence, right now influence is digital, number one, especially with coronavirus. And number two, it's been democratized to a certain point. But the third point is you can't just base, influence is not equal followers, influence is not, it, it has to lead to an action, right? Yep. And it has to lead to an authentic action. And I think that what's happened over the past five years that businesses have just spent a lot of money following people with a lot of followers, with a lot of engagement. And some of those people, undoubtedly, it was fake followers, fake engagement. And now we're at a point where it's like, well, how do we, you know, we can't stop wasting money like this. And so what I talk about in the book is, you know, if a nano influencer is someone with a thousand followers, look in your own customer database, look in your own email database. I did this exercise with one of my clients. They, they have a hair color. I mean, they sell to like Walmart and Amazon and CVS, what have you. But when they started looking at their Instagram followers, they found like verified profiles, with like 125,000 followers. And it's like, they're at, these people are actual customers. Influencers are actual customers. Now you can reach out and you know, just, it's funny while I was talking to you, I got an email from Bank of America. All of a sudden last week, I get this email from Bank of America saying we're creating a small business advisory council and we want you to be part of it. Now, are they sending out to everybody? Maybe. Are they only sending out to people with a certain amount of deposit? Maybe. Are they using a social media tool to sort of tap into who are the influencers that are their customers and including them? Maybe. Right. But it's the fact of really reaching out to people that already know, like, and trust your business. 
that have some sort of digital influence and finding ways of working to them. To me, that's the most authentic and the most powerful way of influencer marketing. Because when they talk about you on social media, they're already your customer. They're, they don't have to make things up. They don't have to use cut and paste text. They're, they're right. naturally talking about you. Right. And it makes it so much easier because there's always already that you've got that relationship with them. You can, well, hopefully you're going to say good things about them, right? I mean, it's a bank, so <laughs> you never, never know. Um, one of the, one of the things that I found really interesting, and we touched on this a little bit is one of the facts you have in there is that it was a Pew research study and 68% of people get some of their news via social media. Uh, I'm curious if that, like when that research was done, um, I don't know if you, if you remember when, when you pulled that and if that's still the same, especially now with the election. And I feel like every, you know, everything is, is via social media now. Yeah. So that's, that's funny because I just referenced that stat again for an article I'm writing for, for a client of mine last so night. Funny. I believe it's 2018 okay. and I was pretty meticulous in trying to make sure that all the stats, the book was primarily written in 2019. So of really making sure that almost every stat came from either 2018 or 2019. Right. I think that the U S elections in 2016, it was very clear the influence that social media can have regardless of what side you're on. And, um, you know, what's happened, I talk about this in the book, the convergence of information and communication. I mean, social media started out as a way for us to communicate with each other, but along the lines, you know, over the years, people have shared information, right? And businesses have shared information and businesses have boosted posts to advertise information. And over a while, we are now consuming more and more information in social media. We may not be looking for the news there. When we're on Google, we're looking for something, right? When we're on Facebook, we're not looking for something but it appears in our feed, it, it, it finds us. And this is what we're finding today is so many people just talk about so many things and you have so many businesses that it becomes a place where you become influenced by what you see by the news. And um, you know, how much that influences you is another thing. You know, I still will go to my sources of news outside of social media for news, but then again, I'll post something about someone uh, you know, I try not to get too political, but recently I've thrown out a few little political things on Facebook and you'll get, well, you know, coronavirus, you know, mortality rates only 1%. And it's like, okay, let me dig in. Let me see where they got that data point And let me try to vet, you know, how real that is, if it's taken out of context or not. And these are the critical thinking skills we need to teach future generations. Um, right. but, but regardless, it influenced me in saying, okay, I want to learn more about that data point. Or someone said that, you know, George Soros is funding Black Lives Matters demonstrates, okay, where did this idea come from? What is there truth behind this, right? So in some way or another, we're seeing it, we're absorbing it. It's like a billboard, whether we agree with it or not, how much it's influencing us is another thing, but it's, it's out there and, and we can't ignore it because it's in our feed. And that's where that number comes up. Just, I mean, think about life 10 years ago before social media, we were not influenced at, at all by that sort of digital communication. No. And, and what's interesting about it too, is that even when you go to research it, you're also being influenced by, yes. by what is showing up in yes. your search. So, absolutely, yeah. Um, so I know we talked, right. So uh, we talked about this a little bit and you have not watched the social dilemma, but being in marketing, you 100% understand that the social media platforms are in fact serving up whatever it is that you potentially or what they think you potentially want to see. So you get to see more and more of that in your feed, which just then reinforces whatever 
you know, your, your bias or yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's all, it's all very interesting to me. Um, and, yeah, you know, you know, my, from the other end, you know, so my wife has become like this Korean TV show addict. So there's That's a funny. TV show on Netflix called Crash Landing on You that she just loves. And I guess in Korea, every year they have this big like Academy Awards where you vote for one male, one female. So, you know, you have, it's like this team BTS and all this, this, this K-pop. They have yeah. a team. It's like, we need to support, you know, these two people. And my wife's saying, Neil, in order to vote, I need to both register on this Korean website that I'm voting and I need to share it on Twitter using a hashtag and what have you. I'm like, well, there you go. Once you do that, I said, welcome to the matrix, right? You're yep, on. So got you. <laughs> here comes the retargeting. Here comes the email database. And, and when K-pop stars want to go to the United States and have a concert, now they have a bigger database of people they can promote it to. So as a marketing tactic, it's, it's freaking brilliant, right? But from a consumer perspective, if you're not a marketer, you don't get it. Yes, of course, they're going to follow you around. The same reason why if you're an LA Times subscriber or Denver Post or whatever, there were people advertising in it because they knew there was a circulation. So it, it, it's the same concept. I know it's a little scary to people um, unless you block all cookies and maybe use a browser like DuckDuckGo. So there are ways of avoiding it. Right. But once you're in the matrix, I mean, you know, they're going to find your phone number. Just do a search for anybody. And, and I talked to a CEO like 10 years ago who hired an FBI investigator to look into. He was, you know, he was fairly wealthy, worried about his family privacy. And 10 years ago, this FBI investigator just found a ton of stuff about this person online. So you really, it, it is a reality. Um, you can do your best, but at the end of the day, you're going to get cookied. You're going to get retargeting. And you know what? If it serves you a benefit, Google does this. But to me, what I see from Google, I'm okay with. They provide me Gmail. They provide me search. It has Search is not perfect, but it is free. And I still think I get more value from it than the cost of it. And I think that's the way I want people to think about this. Yeah. It, it truly is scary when you think about how much of your information is out there floating around. Yeah. And uh, you want, you know, I'm a big fan of watching Bosch on Amazon Prime, TV, you know, a crime show. Oh, and they all, yeah. the, de the detectives are always just going on to Facebook, right? And finding information about the criminals. Oh, funny. funny. I'm going to have to check that out. I love true crime stuff. Oh, so. Bosch is awesome. All right. Well, B O S C H. Okay. All right. But this is not a out. podcast about TV. So, right. right. <laughs> Got um, so one, of the, one of the other things you talk about in the book is the different. Uh, levels of influence. So, you know, I feel like it's very commonly said in within our our industry is that you know it's it's about a marriage. It's not a one night stand. You need to be building those relationships. But let's talk about the different Hallelujah. levels and how you engage with those variety of levels. Yeah. So you know, I, I tackle knowing that a lot of the readers of the book you know, some of them have been doing influencer marketing. So they understand the way the industry talks about influencers, which is these tiers based on the number of followers they have, right? So you have the celebrities, like over a million followers. You have like macro influencers, middle, uh, you know, micro, and then nano. And then I go, well, you know, let's, let's break it down a different way. So, I mean, generally speaking, influencers are people and everybody has a different price tag. Yep. And, and, and so I don't think, you know, I think obviously the more influence that someone is perceived to have, the more expensive they become, the harder it is to deal with them and the more things they're going to demand of you and the higher the chance it turns out to be a one night stand. So the further down you go, 
especially nano influencers that have never worked with a brand there, you know, you have a lot of people that are, that'll work for free product. Right. And that's where I think it gets exciting for even, you know, the solopreneurs and small business owners listening to this podcast is that you can leverage influencer marketing just by providing free product to the right people that might genuinely be interested in that product. Um, and from that, you can get content created, obviously content amplification, what have you. So, you know, that's, and, and, and once again, I'd really take a step back, look at your email list, look at your followers. If you happen to be on Shopify, there is an amazing free tool called Caro, C-A-R-O. I know you got to be e-commerce. It's getcaro.com and it will integrate your Shopify shopping cart history, your Instagram followers, and your email database, and it will show you the influencers that already know, like, and trust you in a dashboard. And this is how my client found out about this 125,000 followers. That, you know, that's verified. cool. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't heard of that. And, and it's only for Shopify. They're trying to expand the technology so you don't have to be on Shopify. But that's sort of the direction where things are going. So you can use tools. There, there's, all these tools are called like email appending services. So I use a tool called VoilaNorbert.com. Funky name right? But for like, you know, a very, very small price, you can send them your email database. It's all the information's private. It's, it's uh, GDPR compliant. And you can see all the big brands that use them like Facebook. And what they'll do is from those email addresses, they'll try to find social media profiles that are, that are registered to them, all using public information. So that's where you can begin to get a sense that some email marketing services, I think MailChimp used to offer this I think Active Campaign offers this at Enterprise. Some email marketing services actually offer this, not many. But even if they don't, what you can do is do that and try to find influencers that are already in your database, that are already, you know, your customers or go into your followers, right? I mean, if you have 100,000 followers, it's one thing. But if you only have a few hundred or a few thousand, you never know the influences that lurk amongst them. And then it's a matter of reaching out and saying, hey, we're creating a new brand ambassador program, a new VIP program, and just have the conversation. How can we work together? You know, you want free product? Awesome. You know, we want you to post about us once a month, or we want you to create content for us because it's going to perform better on our ads or on our, on our organic feed, or, you know, we're going to do a webinar and we'd love for you to speak on it and push it out to your community. I mean, there's so many different ways of collaborating with influencers. I created a chapter in the book, like the 16 different ways to, to, yeah, to collaborate yeah. with influencers. So I think you got to remember that influencers are people. There's not like a set price list. But when you reach out to people that already know, like, and trust your brand, it's just going to be a lot easier from the get-go. If not, you're going to have to introduce who your company is, why you want to work with them, what's the benefit, and it's going to turn into one of these cold outreach emails. It's going to be an Instagram DM maybe, but mm -hmm. you're going to send 100 of them out and maybe only two or three are going to reply. And that, that's just the reality when, you reach, when it's a cold outreach. So that would be my advice. And you know what? You don't need 20, 30 people. I mean, start with a few, right? Starting with just a few is already going to expand your reach exponentially. If you're like most small businesses that really struggle with social media. So let influencers do the talking for you. And I think you're going to find a lot of value. That's fabulous. And I think obviously everybody should go, uh, by your book. Neil, one of the things that you talk about in your previous book, which was the Maximize Your Social, why should people pay for social media when it's free? Here's why influencer marketing is so powerful, because people rule social media. People rule the algorithms, right? On any given platform, people tend to outperform businesses. I think one of the few places where businesses outperform people is blogs, because they can invest tons of money into content tons of money in SEO, 
And for the small business owner, it's really hard. That's why you should really go niche with, with a blog strategy. But when it comes to social media, I mean, any brand could have become an influencer, but their content is just, they're only thinking about their products and their own profit. They're not thinking about what people want to hear, right? What people want to see. So that's where, you know, people outperform. So, you know, social media over time, and if you were just to do a search for decline of Facebook organic reach, this is something that's been happening since 2012. So don't freak out about every new algorithm because it changes every day and it's different for every person. And I think right. hopefully by 2020, we all know that. Yeah. So, so algorithms are skewed towards people. And, and therefore, I think for businesses, if you want to get heard on most platforms, it requires a budget. And that's just the simple fact. Right. Um, and that's where when you work with influencers, you can get heard because you're now publishing and, and you know, getting the word spread through people. There may be a cost to that as well. It might cost you product, right? It might cost you time. You may cost you training on, on you know, teaching nano influencers how to take better photos. I don't know, right? Yeah. But look, you know, there's a quote from Henry Ford that I usually like to use, and I'm, I'm forgetting the exact quote, but it's basically, you need to spend money to make money. And it's, it's been true all along. I think with the early days of social media, there was this thing where we'll just post for free on social media and go viral. And maybe that was possible eight or nine years ago. And maybe it's still possible on TikTok, you know, holding ocean spray and skateboarding down the street. <laughs> yeah, but who for, knew? <laughs> but for 99% of businesses, um, that, that's just not possible. It, it's something you have to do because you have to be credible. And it is a way to get your message out there. So you need to have a minimal presence but if you really want to make impact, it is going to require a budget. And it's either going to be performance marketing, in which case it's an ad, and, and ads don't go viral. People don't trust ads. They tune them out. Or you work with people that already have trusted communities and you tap into them. And that's really this, this concept of influence marketing. So, so yeah, um, you know, companies today organically, sure, you can keep publishing. It's just not going to have much impact until you pay a little money. And um, I, I'm all about data-driven strategies and, you know, Maximize Your Social is all about that as well. There are so, still some networks that do better than others organically, Twitter and Pinterest, because they are more of search networks than social networks. And even the founders of Pinterest say this. Twitter, right. they don't care when you jump off the platform or click on a link, but, you know, LinkedIn, you have people saying, you got to put your, your link in the first comment or do a video instead of a post and put your link in the first, and it's all these hacks because the algorithm says, we want you to stay on LinkedIn and not leave LinkedIn. And obviously Facebook is the same. So that's right. the challenge. Um, and that's funny, why, yeah. That totally leads me into what I want to talk about next, which what? is one of the things you say in the book is that it's the 99-1 rule. So 90% yep. are lurkers or stalkers, 9% contribute every now and then. And then 1% of the users create 90% of the content. And one of the things I, I read in the book was about Twitter and how Twitter doesn't even care if you tweet because the majority of people on there aren't tweeting. It's like you say, you know, 1% are creating 90% of that content. So yeah, I mean, do a search for anything social media related. Like Jeff Bullis on Twitter comes up like for 80% of the tweets. It's an example of how a few people can create a lot of, a right. lot of tweets yeah. and, and get a lot of mind share there. So, so yeah, that 99 one rule, I'm going to give a shout out to Michael Brito. I don't know if he's a listener or not, but he's a great guy. He has a few books out as well. And I first got exposed to that concept when he spoke at my social tool summit, you know, a few years ago, but it actually comes from, I think it comes from the influencers. It comes from a book um, that was, that was written before social media, just about the internet. But, you know, here's the thing. We think like, well, if they have a thousand followers and everybody has a thousand followers, everybody's an influencer. And it's really, that's not the case. Most people do not create content consistently. Right. Most people are lurkers. 
Yeah. Like, you know, you see people on Instagram, they haven't posted in a year. And then you but send- But they're there, they're watching you. You send them a message and like, boom, it's like, whoa, I thought you were gone, right? They're yeah. lurking. Um, and I just look at my daughter. She may not post every day, but every day she spends 30 minutes on Instagram lurking at what everybody else is posting. So that's very typical, which means that when you become a content creator, you are, you become part of that top 1%. So in other words, if Instagram has a billion users, maybe a hundred million are semi-active, but there's only 10 million that publish consistently every day. And I think if you go to your feed, you realize it's the same people. It's not everybody you follow that publishes every day, right? Right, um, right. And, and, and that's really the whole point here is that content creators are small. And I think if you're you know, a solopreneur, a small business owner, it's like, okay, I want to tap into influencers. If you work in a niche area, you're going to do a search for blogs. There, there aren't that many blogs that talk about certain subjects. There aren't that many podcasts. There aren't that many YouTubers. There aren't that many people on social media. And then you realize, wow, you know, these few content creators are unique because they own, they own the space, right? Because nobody right. else is talking about it. So, yep. so that's where the fact that people are consistently creating content, any one of these networks or content mediums, they are invaluable as a content creator. And you really want to think twice of, of how you, you know, how you collaborate with them and how you treat them. And that's really what I wanted to get across with that rule. It also means that if you and your business can become a content creator, you also begin to influence. You might become one of those top 10 that are talking about a certain subject in a very, very short amount of time, just because there aren't enough people talking about it. So content creation at the end of the day is what makes influencers influential. And it's what can make your business influential as well. This has been fantastic. I just want to say thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, what is the best way to connect with you? Where like where do you spend most of your time on social? Obviously, you're on social, so. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Aaron. It's it's really been an honor to be here. And uh, so my name is Neil Schaefer. I am the real Neil, so it's spelled N-E-A-L. And my last name is Schaefer, S-C-H-A-F-F-E-R. And I say that because that's where I am on social media. Every platform, it's Neil Schaefer. It's neilschaefer.com. My new book is called The Age of Influence. Came out in March 2020, available everywhere. And I also have a podcast where I talk about this concept of of digital influence. It's called the Maximize Your Social Influence podcast. I tend to spend more time on Twitter, primarily. Uh, I'd say second is LinkedIn and third is Instagram. So if you want to find me, I spend less and less time on Facebook for various reasons, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you know, Instagram um, and Twitter and LinkedIn always are exciting for various reasons. And, and that's where you have the best chance of finding me. Perfect. And I'll, I'll have links to, to everywhere to connect with you on, on the blog post. So. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Aaron. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Neil as much as I did. I just found it fascinating talking about all things influencer marketing. So thanks for listening to the show and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss out on our latest episodes. And if you are enjoying the show, we would sure love a review on your favorite podcast player. And be sure to connect with us on all of your favorite social media platforms. You can find us everywhere at Socially Powered, sharing tips, tricks, and the latest episodes on all things social, crypto, and blockchain related. Have a great day. 